Erwin McManus is a preacher, a writer, an author. He said, I want to live in a world that if the church is not the revolution that Jesus died to establish 2,000 years ago, it ceases to exist. He said, I want to live in a world where the church has no more crutches or buffers to guard her from injury. I want a church where a culture no longer protects her, that whenever the gospel enters an environment, it prevails. His heart was, I want to see the church be all that the church is supposed to be. That the kingdom of God here on earth, that's a compelling vision in my mind. To say, let's not just play church. And for too long in our culture, across America and across other countries, we kind of play church. We kind of, we kind of go through the motions. It's a, it's a, this statement is kind of a vision of a, of a risk taker. Let's do something where, where we cut through the darkness and the gates of hell get broken down. It's a vision that has such a passion for Jesus' church that he would rather see it, it cease to exist than to have it something less than what Jesus designed the church to become. It's a, it's a vision that says we've got we to go way above and beyond what our human understanding is. It speaks volumes of faith in the gospel message and the belief of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, the Father, the Son, Jesus, that it speaks volumes of what will our relationship with God do as we go into this world. I want to see people with that kind of passion in the church. I want to have that kind of passion inside of me. And sometimes passion can wane and desires can wane. I want to see people in this church, in Centerpoint Christian Church, have that same kind of passion for God and his kingdom. And I wonder, will we allow God to take us there? He wants to take us to that kind of position where People look at Centerpoint and they go, man, the Spirit of God is alive in that place. They are impacting the culture. The world has changed around there and the community is changing because they've gotten involved in the community. That all of us would have a passion and desire to, for the church to be all that God wanted the church to be. Is that inside of you? Is that inside of me? And because of the desire that we would see God work in everything we do, that wherever we go, we would say, man, look at the hand of God all over that place. I love it when I read stories and I hear about certain ministries or churches where you go, how is that happening? And the only way it gets explained is go, we, we really don't know how it's happened besides God. I would love to have that happening more and more around this place. That's what happens when you're in a kingdom-focused church and you're a kingdom-focused person. You get a passion for growing God's kingdom and you have a sense of immediacy of what God wants to do. We... We want to see God move in this church. Do you want to see God move? I want to see God move. I don't want to be part of a church. I don't want to be preaching week in and week out, invest my life in ministry and look back and go, well, he kind of moved. I mean, I saw his hand here and there. I want to look back and go, my goodness, God did so many great things in and through the body of Centerpoint because we want to see God move in this church. And because we want to see God move in this church and out of these walls into this community, because we want to see the kingdom of God here on earth, because we want to have a healthy, vibrant, effective church where we see the gates of hell being broken down, we've been asking the question, what's next? Elders, staff, a team we put together called our Next Steps team, and even you, you've been asking, what's next? We started last spring. We turn in 15, November the 3rd. Put that on your calendar. 
November 2nd and November 3rd. More stuff will be unveiled here coming soon, but we have a big day planned on Saturday, November 2nd. We have a great uh, day of ministry on Sunday, November 3rd as we approach our 15th birthday. But, but we, we've been asking God, God, what's next? What ground do you want us to take as a church for the next two to three years? Where, where are you leading us? Where are you going? How do you want us to reach in our community? How do you want us to follow the example of Jesus? What do we do uh, with this property that we have back here to help our community and to meet the needs around us? Well, we've been asking that kind of question. So we started this past spring by looking at how Jesus transformed community. We started looking at the kingdom of God and looking at the life of Jesus and saying, what did Jesus do? Many of you are here and you remember that series. Some of you are new and so I want to catch you up. We discovered that Jesus was an evangelist. What that meant is Jesus went into the neighborhoods and he shared about the message of the kingdom of God that is coming. He shared about, the, about his father, God, and he shared about salvation. Jesus made disciples. He helped people grow in how to, how to be a disciple of, of God. Jesus was a leader showing people, here's how you live out this life. Jesus transformed communities. We talked about how he went into communities and communities were changed. Jesus helped the hurting. He would see someone who was sick or down or out or struggling. He would go in and he would help them out. Jesus was committed to the cause that he knew, listen, this cause is so great that he was so committed he even gave his life to it, to die on a cross. And at the end of that series, we came together with what we call an event called a dream event. Many of you participated. We gathered right here in this room around tables, and, and we started dreaming. There was about 100 people in attendance, and we brainstormed ideas, and we just started asking the question, what if? What can we do? How can we impact our community for the kingdom of God? So during the summer, we've had several meetings with leadership teams and next step team and staff and elders and taking all that we've done during the spring and all this information gathering and these meetings have been covered in prayer. And then lastly, about three weeks ago, we sent out a survey to say, okay, now we got to start, we have a way to start measuring some things that will get implemented over the next year or two years and say, how are we doing? Many of you took that survey. I think last check, there was about 70 households who have taken that survey. If you've not taken that survey, I encourage you to do that. We'll be sending out one more email invite to that. Say, I didn't get the email invite. Well, then use your connection card and say, please send me the survey. I'd love to take it. We want to have a baseline to understand where's our church at right now. So that's why we did, that's why we're doing the survey. There'll be another survey after the new year, but help us to measure where are we at right now? Who are we reaching right now? So that when we implement some ministries, we can check ourselves in a couple years and go, well, how are we doing? Do we look more like our community? Because if we are in this community, 865 Greendale Road, then we should look at our community that is surrounded around us. That's who we should be reaching. And so we want to have that measurement. And so we'd love to have you take that survey if you haven't done that yet. Today we begin the process of moving us forward as a church looking at the next two to three years. I'm calling this series, This Is Us. One is because I'm a fan of that television show. I like it. But I think that as a good description of the church, this is us. I, I, I want to see who we are as a church currently. That's, that's some things we've been uncovering, and that's some things we've been discovering. I want us to see where we've been and what we've been doing. And over the next eight weeks, I want to take significant steps laying out our mission, our vision, and our steps that we're going to take as a church. One thing I do know, though, is I'm discovering this has to be a fluid process. 
We have to be willing to, to move with it because we want the Spirit to lead us. We don't want to get so locked into something that the Spirit says, hey, I've got an opportunity for you. We go, oh, no, Spirit, that's not something that, that we're going to do. We want to, be, we want to be, uh, have that fluid process. We want to listen to the Holy Spirit's voice. We want to follow the lead of the Spirit. And so over the next eight weeks, heading up to November 3rd, we're going to be laying out some things we've been discovering and setting the, the, the goal and the process and the vision. We as a church, where we see some ministry going for the next two to three years. Today, though, I want to go back and I want to re- recapture the idea of being a kingdom-focused church. That's where, that's where we are talking about in the spring. And, and I want you to look at what Jesus says to his disciples. In John chapter 14, Jesus says, Verily, truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and it will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Stop and look at that verse with me. This is just before Jesus is going to ascend to heaven, just a short time before that. And he says, listen, friends. He's talking to his disciples, to his close companions. Listen, I'm going to be going to sit at the right hand of the Father. I'm going to heaven. And he says, says to them that you will do greater works than I've been doing. That, to me, is mind-blowing. To stop and think, wait a minute, Jesus, who is God, tells his disciples, you're going to do greater things than I've ever done. It's mind-blowing to me to think that we, the church, can do greater things. And the only way I can really understand that passage is I study the whole of it to say, how can that be possible that we could do greater things? It was because Jesus was always located in physical form. He could do the ministry where he was currently standing. If he was in Lexington, he could do ministry right here today in Lexington. If he went over and went to the state of Ohio, a lot of ministry would be done there. Um, He could only do ministry in the cities where he was standing at because that's where he was physically. And he's saying, listen, you'll do greater things, disciples, my, my friends, my, my ones who are following me, you're going to do greater things because I'm going to leave and God's going to send us a helper, the Holy Spirit to live inside of you. And so this is going to multiply. Because if every single one of us in here take on our responsibility and we go, wow, when I go to the store and I go to the workplace and, and I'm at uh, school and, and my kids are on the ball field and I'm taking on my role, we're spread all over this city where Jesus could only be at McDonald's. And he says, I can only do what's in front of me right here at McDonald's. But boy, together as the body, you're going to do greater things. That's miraculous to me. It's it's unbelievable that he's given us that that responsibility. But what he's talking about is you're going to do greater things for the kingdom of God. You're going to do greater things. It's amazing. In the Gospel of Mark, in chapter 1, Jesus says, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent. And believe the good news. I believe that passage is for us too today. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. And our message that we carry is repent and believe the good news. And so we carry into this world that message. Jesus is coming back. It's time to repent the good news. And then he said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men or fishers of people in verse 17. And so as we follow him, we have a job to be fishermen to go and and catch people with the gospel, with the kingdom message, and bring that forward in their lives. Immediately, he begins doing ministry after he shares with his disciples, out driving on evil spirits. 
In fact, the Gospel of Mark uses the word immediately a lot. Mark is like a speed read version of the Gospels. You can go through Matthew, take you a while. You can go through Luke's and take you a while. You can go through John, it'll take you a while. Pick up the book of Mark, it's like the Cliff Notes version. Shoo, we get the life of Christ really quick. And I think there's a reason why Mark rushed through the events of Jesus' life. It's so he could get to the death, the burial, and resurrection, and the salvation that we have in Jesus. See, when you read Mark, you're not only finding out that God is saying, I love you, and I'll sacrifice my son. It's getting to the middle of humanity, where we are and what we're doing, and the wondrous things that he points us to him and how he saves us from our sins. He points to the fact that Jesus did miracles, that he walked on water, that he raised dead people, that he did all sorts of things when he was here on earth as a display of his authority, vested in the power of the Holy Spirit and led by the will of the Father. And Jesus Christ was not only inaugurating or bringing in the kingdom of God, he was unleashing the power and authority of God that is still alive and active in the year 2019. See, if we're going to be a kingdom-focused church, then we as part of our church must be entirely in tune to the work of God. We must be doing the works of God, and God must be doing his work through us. See, it's not about us doing work to earn his love or doing work to be good, but allowing him to do work through us. Will we allow him to do work in us and through us? Never are we called upon to do work for God. He doesn't need you to do any work for him. He calls us to be be avenues, to be conduits where he does his work through. The work of God is the characteristic of the kingdom of God. And if God, it's God's unleashing himself on his people, through his people, and all around his people. And I want God to unleash himself on this body. I, I want to look back two or three years from now and go, year 2019, as we headed in 2020, was a life-changing year in a, in a year of center point because we caught a new capture, a new vision. So what is a kingdom-focused church? What does that look like? Gene Mims, the writer of the Kingdom Focused Church book, says a kingdom focused church is a church that exists to transform unbelievers into Christ like believers and to mature these believers into kingdom multipliers of the message of Christ. I think that's a great description of a kingdom focused church. That we take people who don't know Christ, we help them to come to know Christ, we help them to then grow in Christ and then mature into Christ. That's what we're going to be talking about today and over the next several weeks. How do we transform unbelievers? How do we develop relationships with unbelievers, people who, are, who have questions about the gospel, people who have, who have wandered away from the faith, people who have no faith, people who are not sure. How do we love them the way Christ would want us to love them to bring them, hopefully, to the point of salvation? But then they'd say, I want to be one of God's people. And we help them grow in that. See, if we're going to be a keen and focused church, then we must know what one looks like. We've got to know what that looks like to be a kingdom-focused church. So let me talk about the identity of a kingdom-focused church for a moment. Many of you are familiar with the story of the Samaritan woman at the well with Jesus. You can find the account in John chapter 4. If you're not, I encourage you to go and read it. But here's a lady that was full of sin, and she met Jesus at the well. Jesus just has finished his encounter with the woman at the well, and she says, I think you must be a prophet or something because you are telling me stuff that I didn't know anybody knew about me. Because he was talking to her about life and, and the, the avenues of life she'd been in and the unholy parts of life that she'd been in. And Jesus identifies that. And she's a woman with a passion for life, and her passion hadn't drowned even though she had been in multiple broken and failed relationships. And Jesus tells her, listen, Go, go and send them more. Walk away from this kind of lifestyle. And Jesus met her needs where she was at. 
And she goes out and turns out to be one of the greatest evangelists, the little town where she lived. She went and told everybody, hey, look it, I met Jesus. And here's what Jesus has done for me. But then here's the interesting encounter. The disciples come back after this. And Jesus said, I want you to go and get something to eat. And he told them to go get something to eat. So they come back from getting something to eat. And they come back and they said, okay, we got something to eat. And he surprises them by saying, I have food to eat that you don't know about. I can imagine the disciples scratching their head going, wait a minute. You told us to go out and get something to eat. So we, we ran down to the corner market, so to speak. We grabbed the food. We brought it back. And now you come back and you say, wait a minute. I have something to eat. But it's a food you don't know about. And, of course, they're confused. Because he's thinking, could someone else, they, they've been thinking, could, could someone else brought him some food? But notice what he says. It's, it's really a key to understand who we are as leaders and as a church and as a congregation. We're thinking about the kingdom principle. He begins to give insight as to what the nature of the kingdom of God really is. It, it's not some unearthly concept. It's not some theological stronghold of truth. It, the kingdom of God is as real as you and I are as real, and it's as centered around what God is doing. Look what he says in John chapter 4, verse 34. My food, said Jesus is to do the will of him who sent me, who sent Jesus, God. He says, my, that, that to do his will and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life, so the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for others. For others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. He just kind of gets into the, listen, here's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is to do the will of the Father. That's the kingdom of God. He's laying it out to him. Here's what we're supposed to do. The kingdom of God is dynamic. It's what God is doing in this world today to take back territory from the evil one, and he's doing it one person at a time, one life changed at a time. We might define the kingdom of God simply as the reign of God in our lives and the heart of a believer in Jesus Christ. As we allow him to reign and to rule and truly be Lord, then the kingdom of God starts to move in us and through us. When he establishes not only salvation but lordship in our lives, we know the kingdom of God is coming alive in us. He begins to do something in our lives. Every believer can say, what a wonderful change has happened to me since Jesus came into my heart. Life is getting transformed. When you start saying, my life is being transformed, you know you are releasing your will to his will, and the kingdom of God is coming alive in you. Mims also says the kingdom-focused church is a church that works. It works the same way for city churches, country churches, big churches, small churches, traditional churches, contemporary churches, and every other kind because the kingdom-focused church has a shape that God alone will decide. In other words, not, there's not two churches that are exactly the same. See, as we become more of a kingdom-focused church, we'll begin to realize that the pressure's off of us. It's not about what we can do. We can allow ourselves and our ministries to be used as instruments of God's will. We'll be able to come alongside where he's at work, and then all of a sudden we'll discover solutions and ideas that uh, affect change and affect a community because we'll be saying, God, what do you want to do, not what do we want to do? See, programs, instead of depending on people and resources, they'll depend upon the Spirit's work versus instead of our power, it'll be his power. A kingdom focus is utterly dependent on God. When conditions change, 
People come and go to the church. Programs eventually, they become obsolete. But when God's in charge of it, he takes care of the ministries that he wants to continue and the things that he wants done. But with a kingdom focus, we don't have to abandon everything. Many times programs get abandoned because you're doing it out of your strength and not God's strength. When we align our will with his will. Jesus said, my will is to do the one of the one who sent me. It's a kingdom-focused church, a kingdom-focused person that says, it's not my will. It's your will, God. God, what do you want done? Let's break down this statement of the kingdom-focused church. It's a terminology I'm going to use throughout this series. I want to get a handle on it somewhat today. Let's start with the word the. I think the, the word the is kind of like an article of faith. The is a congregation which for us is Centerpoint Christian Church. That's the the in that statement. Our church has its own unique challenges, has its own unique opportunities. Our church is the church that God has put us in right now. He has given each of us a stewardship position within this church, so to speak. He hasn't put you somewhere else. He hasn't given you a, another church with unique gifts or potential or, or a different vision. God thinks that the best person for this church are the people that are in it right now on this day of September the 8th of 2019. He has us here for a reason. The is the people who say, this is my congregation. This is my family. This is my body. God thinks that we are the best people for this time, for this church right now. That means that we'll, be, that we'll all belong together. That, that means that we need everyone, no matter what our age is, no matter what our race is, no matter what our stage is, no matter what our economic situation is, we need each other, and we make up the Centerpoint Christian Church. It's a high calling. It's a life of labor for the Lord. But that's the the. When you become a kingdom person, kingdom person God wants you to pour, pour your heart into your church that he has given you. He wants you to pour your life into the church that he has put you in. We must ask God to give us the courage to seek him. God, what do you want from me? God, how do I serve within my church where you have me planted at? Ask him for strength to love people as he loves them. Sometimes it's hard to love those who are within the church that we're in, and we pray, and God, help me to love the body that I am part of. We ask him to show, show us in our church, the community around us, help us to see the community the way that he sees them, that together we pray prayers like that, and we say, what's this community look like? How do we reach this community? Ask him to show us what he desires our church should be, and what does the future look like? The next word is the word kingdom. Kind of a reality check. Mim says the kingdom of God in its simplest form is the reign of Jesus Christ as Lord and King in our lives. It is the Holy Spirit working in us, through us, and around us in such a way that we actually live and do the will of God. Through the kingdom, we can live the lives God created us to live, life at the maximum. Look at this statement. I mean, what does it say to me? It says that I know that God has a perfect plan for us in our church, even if we can't always see it. That we believe in the sovereignty of God and what he's going to do in the body of Centerpoint. And to live this perfect plan, we need to get in touch with his kingdom agenda and not lose sight of where we're going. Not, not get sidetracked, not get distracted. Do we want that as a church? I mean, do you want to go where our hearts and our feelings and our thoughts are going? Or do we want to go where through prayer and through discussion and through scripture research and through understanding our community, we say, God, where are you taking us? I want to go where God's taking us. We are asking God, God, will you help us get in touch with your kingdom agenda? 
That's the prayer that we pray. The next word is focused. Our church needs a kingdom focus. A kingdom focused church is clear on two points. That's stewardship and ministry. See, stewardship is vertical in a sense that a local church is under the authority or the commission of the Father. And so our stewardship is how do we reply or how do we respond in our lives to Him. It is His will, it is His truth, and it is His work. We focus on Him, we serve Him, we don't serve ourselves. Ministry is horizontal in the sense that a church focuses on, on people. But when we talk about stewardship, we're looking up to God first, and then we're looking across. Now, how do we do this ministry to people? A true focus begins when God moves people who love him to then love others. And that's what we're trying to focus on. Okay, God, how do we stay focused on you so that we love you, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength, and then drive us, Lord, to love other people. And that's a kingdom-focused church. We keep our eyes on him as we also go about to do ministry. And only when we keep priorities and our stewardship in that order that we're focusing on him first, well, then we stay focused as a community, loving and caring about a community. We need to ask, why do I give my time? We need to ask, why do I give my talent? Why do I give my treasures to God's work through the body of Centerpoint? We need to be asking that question. Or we need to be asking, how am I doing in these areas of time, talent, and treasure? See, it starts by talking to God. God, am I stewarding my time well with you? God, am I stewarding my, my treasures with you? Am I stewarding my talents with you? Am I bringing those then to love people in the body of the church? Am I doing it for myself or am I doing it for you? See, most American churches tithe or steward to themselves, not to God. You say, well, how can you say that? How, how, how do we know it's not just about us? How do we know it's, it's not more towards God? Well, stop and think when someone moves something or changes something, how do you react? Well, how can you change that? How come they're not doing it this way? How come they're not doing it my way? How many times do we have discussions in the American churches about what do I want? What do I like? How do I do it? If you ever find yourself starting to pull back and say, well, I'm not going to serve in that ministry because they're not doing what I want. Oh, I'm not going to give my tithe because I'm not, they're not doing what I want. As soon as you start pulling back, you're hurting yourself and you start to hurt the body. Because you start looking at it instead of being a kingdom-focused church, you start being a me-focused church person. And so we need to keep our eyes focused on him. We'll never see God at work until he works in us and through us, church. We'll never see it. And, and then you'll see him everywhere. See, God doesn't sleep. He's not silent. He's not taking a break. He's working. A lot of times we just don't see it. I want to see God at work in everywhere and everything that we're doing. We must pray and ask God to give us a focus for loving our community, for loving him first, loving our community, our neighborhood, our church. The last word in this statement, the kingdom-focused church is the word church. It refers to the local church. Yeah, the church goes worldwide, doesn't it? The believers and Christians, we're all the church, but then we have individual bodies. The local church, it's a unique body of believers. For us, it's those who call this home, 865 Greendale Road, Center Point Christian Church. This is the church. Why are we here? Why do we exist? We exist as a church to reach people in a given community, a given location, God planted Centerpoint Christian Church 15 years old, fifteen years ago to say, look at all the houses and all the homes and all the people. Are you focused on it? This is a local congregation. See, to be a kingdom-focused church, we need to see what the Father is doing and do these things in the same way. First of all, our relationship as a church. Then 
is with God and Christ as part of that kingdom. Our second relationship with others and believers, and our third relationship is the community. And so as we go on this journey, we're asking the question, how do we love God more? How do we love people more? And how do we go in our community more? That's a kingdom-focused church. To ignore building relationships with the lost around us is to ignore the Great Commission. Let me ask you for a second. How many non-Christian friends do you have? Just think about that for a moment. How many people do you know that don't know Christ? And what is your relationship like with them? See, for many, the longer we're in a church, the fewer non-believers we have as friends. Because the longer we're in a church, then our friends become those who are within a church. We need to be purposeful about making relationships. Why are we doing generosity feeds? I asked our group yesterday in a meeting, why are we doing it? Is it just to feed kids? Is it just to say we accomplished a goal? No, the reason why we're doing generosity feeds is because God has planted inside of each and every one of us to do good. When people do good, that comes right from God. Now, many people don't understand where that comes from. So when we bring together our community, and we bring together teachers and nurses and sports teams and and paint shops, and auto body shops, and whoever it is that plugs in, and we bring people together to do good, we start building a bridge to point them to, to Jesus and God who planted that goodness inside of them. And so ultimately, it's about reaching into our community to share Jesus with them. It's, it's so much more than just us packing meals. See, you and I are here to help people to, to meet Christ, to grow in Christ, to make disciples. That's it. That's it. That's what our purpose is. Our purpose is to help people who don't know Jesus to come to know Jesus and to grow into Jesus. Our church is here to make disciples. The Great Commission is to go and make disciples. That's what we're working towards. What's next? That's what we're going to figure out. How are we going to do that? What's that going to look like? It's not easy because it goes against our culture, but we as Christians have the responsibility to obey God's commands. We must ask God to put in each of us the heart for the Great Commission. So what's next? What's next on this journey? We continue next week talking about how we see living out the principles of being a kingdom-focused church. We have some ideas. We have some thoughts that are coming together. We have some direction that's beginning to take place. We ask you to pray and go on this journey with us as we sharpen our focus and and live out God's plan for us as a kingdom-focused church, I want to ask you again, put on your calendar, November 2 and 3, block out that weekend. It's going to be a big weekend in the life of Centerpoint, and I want to encourage you to participate as you see more things coming, because that's going to be kind of the, the capping moment, weekend, at least for this fall, as we go through this journey, asking God what's next and shape us to be a kingdom-focused church. Bow your heads with me in prayer.